Rumpel stout skin. Aye, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. <laughs> no, that's Rapunzel. <laughs> Hello, I'm Annie Muir, and this is Time for One Poem. In this episode, I talk to the poet Nia Davies. And my poetry skeptic slash expert is Paul, a Star Trek fan who works as a community gardener. Hi Nia, thanks for coming to talk to me. Hi Annie. Okay, so since this is a podcast aimed at complete beginners to poetry, I want to ask you, what is a poet and what is your day-to-day life as a poet like? What is a poet? I think a poet is someone who's using language as a technique to transform transform the world. That's the higher kind of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the big thing. But, but any kind of play or disruption or creation in, in the medium of language. Um, Poesis comes from like making, so uh, in Greek. So yeah, making a new in the lang- in language, like uh, that can kind of mean it can take lots of different forms. That's the kind of basic. That's the basic technique of poetry, and then a poet, I guess, is anyone who practices that. And the day to day life is like pretty varied. Like depends on whether <laughs> depends on what you're working on at the time. So all the kind of uh, note-taking, research, um, day job, cleaning the house, uh, <laughs> walking, uh, swimming, conversing with, uh, being with people and reading, reading a lot and kind of like listening as much as possible and being a bit of a magpie in terms of picking out things that are interesting and um, absorbing the world and being embodied really in, in the world. Um, that's like a really generic kind of description of my daily life. And at the moment, I've just finished a, um, a PhD in creative writing. So I was doing like research. I was using poetry as a means to answer a research question. But at other times I've used poetry to in lots of different other like um, reasons and contexts. So um, I've written things for events. I've written things for commission. I've written about poetry. I've edited other people's poetry. I've curated other people's poetry. And so sort of swimming in all these different kind of strands of, of language. Um, at the moment, I'm just like reading a lot and resting. So So nice. do you have another job as well? You said day job. Uh, well, anyone time. Yeah, I've had lots of day jobs. <laughs> um, uh, and the most recent one was the PhD. Um, right. Freelance work on um, various writing related things. Um, teaching poetry but at the moment yeah I'm just sort of like trying to kind of recalibrate and reorder myself after you know having like spent years like really focusing on this this project which is about ritual so wow so um can you remember how you first got interested in poetry was there anyone who particularly encouraged you um my first like memory of writing in writing poetry was actually like the immediate kind of discomfort of having written something and showed it to other people. So it's quite interesting because it was, it's already the kind of social exchange of the poem and already the kind of like feeling that I was at practice already because I was already a bit kind of surprised at what I'd done. And it was, it was actually like a feminist poem that I'd written about (laughs) the kind of injustices of, um, of 
the injustices of like women's lives basically um and but then immediately i'd felt like the tone was wrong um and i showed it to my friends and they were really nice about it and um uh and i yeah i had like encouragement at school and um my family also my um uh my grandparents were poets and um writers so it was pretty normal um to be kind of immersed in poetry and in languages like my my mother's family welsh speaking so poetry was pretty present all around me for um from the beginning so um, but it's, I just thought it was funny that my first in my first memory is this kind of like, oh God, what is this? What have I written? Um, Do you but remember then maybe how old you were? Slow, uh, I think I might have been like seven or something. Right. But then I think I must have come to terms with it slowly because I kept doing it and kept writing. And I, I remember some teachers there like praising it. Another te- there was one teacher who like ridiculed it. So like, <gasps> so, like no. but then he ridiculed everybody. He like found everybody's. Um, weak spot and and ridiculed them for whatever it was yeah it was really bad he was called mr berry so oh. um, you know, name him now <laughs> negative shout out negative shout out yeah yeah I but um, I, had, I had i had some other really good teachers who were not like that at all so <laughs> i know but yeah i wasn't the only one at least so we had a, we were a collective in our joint <laughs> uh and I, we all had like something that he picked out and um and mine was poetry and he like read it out loud and went, yes, that was that is traumatizing. It was, yeah, but as I said, it would be traumatizing if I hadn't remembered the other things that other classmates also had to kind of put up with. And you sort of put a kind of, um, like a kind of, uh, yeah, he was like such a like, weird old fashioned bully. And anyway, I didn't know I was going to start talking about Mr. Berry. <laughs> <laughs> but I also had some other really great, I should talk about my other really great teachers. Like I had one in secondary school who said, this is, this is good, but like, um, you could be better right it's also amazing really because then you're like oh right okay so I don't just like emerge fully formed yeah it's actually something I have to kind of like work on or I can learn from that's good advice yeah and he gave me a book of um Gerard Manley Hopkins and that's that's quite early very feminist Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, no, I don't know. So, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It's very, it's quite queer. It's quite, um, it's quite an interesting one to start off with. I think. Yeah. It's interesting that you said your first experience of writing poetry was writing this thing and showing it to people straight away because I think um, I'm interested in the idea of performance because I remember seeing you reading at a No Matter reading in Manchester years ago, and you did this love poem. And you got the audience to like tell each other they loved each other. You were like, I'm going to do an audience participation or something. And I just remember it being really amazing. Um, there was a lot of love in the Do you remember this? Yeah. <laughs> and you said you were doing yeah, about um, performance. Yeah, I was really interested in, and I am still um, interested in performance and in the, in the way that we like kind of um, speak something into existence or uh, make something happen by the ritual of reading poetry um, and how the kind of like um, the body's sort of like a, a conduit that's what um, Geraldine Monk says body mass as conduit when you're on stage it can be quite kind of uh, frightening um, but this is kind of like thing where the that um, your embodied self is like kind of 
bringing your poem through and you're sharing it with people in the air um and then you know what happens in that moment is really fascinating to me sometimes something really interesting happens quite often like other things intrude like background noise or whatever but um the spaces of poetry are not always conducive to magical performances but generally that's like really that's really important and it was a big part of their investigating how ritual can be used yeah yeah i think um in your uh, collection all fours you do basically i want to try and explain this thing to a beginner to poetry of using the word i but not meaning yourself so you're you're sort of in your book you kind of tease the reader a bit with your sort of about me you've got a poem called that and you've got like um you'll never guess my name but can you tell me about your relationship with the word i when you're using it in your poems um it's like a multiple eye it's a slippery shifting eye that's full of different movements and trying to kind of disrupt this like smooth feeling of legibility like trying to almost like stop becoming kind of commodified sometimes and certainly not this kind of expression of this like singular unified uh true meaningful uh, illusion that sometimes people kind of expect from poetry i wanted to say that when i was writing all fours i was really interested in riddles and um, because they were kind of this form that um, had a key that you'd unlock and you unlock the meaning to the poem and i think one of the things that people who are new to poetry sometimes have to shed is this like fear of being wrong about the meaning that they or the one thing that they need to get from it or that it has to be like special there's like a kind of fear of getting it wrong maybe from the way that a lot of us are educated in poetry that it's this like kind of highly specialized beautiful meaningful thing that we just need to unpick with these keys like the riddles um but the fact is that like the riddles that I was writing about in all fours were like actually also not just opened with a key they were also weird and complex and I in those riddles was um in the Exeter book of riddles they're all like uh, the object speaks so I was this I was this I was this what am I and then the person who's guessing has to to work out what it is and then some of those those riddles don't have answers you don't know what they are so is, is this a clue um to your riddles that we're going to look at I'm going to look at later with the non-poet non um is it a clue that there's no actual answer? Yeah, I don't want, there isn't a clue. <laughs> there isn't a clue. That's the thing. I think maybe that's, that's the thing you've got to kind of, um, is to relinquish the, the need to look for clues. And I think maybe like, I think that's probably a practice of reading that we just have to, all of us, you know, like poets and myself included, like we're always constantly trying to to learn how to read because maybe if you've not encountered much poetry before, you might be used to reading for some other a quick technical fix to a solution or um, to be completely absorbed in a narrative. Whereas in poetry, it's a bit more basically just let yourself be surprised or and also be free to, to not like it as well because there's loads of different kinds of poetry. So, Yeah, and in your poems, you use a lot of strange words. Some of them are sort of old fashioned and some are more like modern or like references um, to people who you might not have heard of if you're reading them 
Would you recommend the reader to look these things up, like these words, or just kind of go with it? Um, depends if they're interested or not in that particular thing. Like, um, I think maybe there's two or three kinds of um, things that could happen. You could be looking up something because it's like a intriguing, as a piece of knowledge that you want to know, know about, or it could be that you've been disrupted in... Um, the smooth comprehension and legibility and sometimes you just need to kind of um we don't need to do anything but you just need you just uh it can be possible to dwell in the uncertainty and confusion and not knowing of the sound of a word and its materiality um in this book there's quite a few other languages in it so there's that as well like trying to disrupt the the smoothness of english is like dominance and everything trying to sort of like kind of hack into or kind of break apart and reform the sort of like really oppressive kind of dominant language of English and, and the kind of economy and political kind of economy that it kind of exists in. Um, having said that, if I was reading someone's poem and there was loads of things to look up, I might get a bit annoyed and stop reading it. So I, there is maybe a limit to that. Yeah, sometimes um, I love it. I like it because I quite like um, sort of being, I like not knowing sometimes. I like just mm. going, ooh. Um, sometimes in your book, it feels like you really wanted to put a word in a poem and then the poem kind of came after that. Like you're like, I really want to put the word sauerkraut in a poem. So I'm just going to write a poem that features yeah. that word. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably, that's probably quite accurate actually, even though, maybe uh admitting like <laughs> that sometimes I'm quite charmed by things and uh um, yeah the the little like figments stuff comes first and then how can you that can you enter into that weirdness and also jokes and puns and strangenesses in in language do begin poems for especially in this book yeah in all fours a lot of the time I was like investigating this weird sounding word and or phrase seeing where it could take me I really like in the book as well, there's a couple of poems which I, I would call your teenage poems, like 18 <laughs> and Dear Diary. And um, I feel like teenagehood is kind of, it's less written about in poetry. Like there's so much poems about childhood and things like that. But I feel like teenagehood almost has its own sort of language. And I think you explored that in, in your poems. Is that what you're going for? Yeah, maybe. Um, I think sometimes like a like uncanny atmosphere, or like kind of questionable circumstances, or there was a lot of confusion, and cert and yet certainty. You thought you were certain, but you weren't. And like forming of friendship groups in that time and the culture. Yeah, that the atmosphere and culture of meeting a teenager in like Sheffield, essentially, and the late 90s and early 2000s is like really it's still like quite strange fascinating sort of material because there was like so much going on um it's formative isn't it yeah well hopefully not too formative <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, we were really really social like compared to people that age at the moment the pandemic like i feel for I feel I feel for people now because, yeah, we were it's like it was this like hot house of like experimentation of being human, 
Um, mm. It was allowed to happen in, in that time, but, uh, but sometimes it went wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the conversation for another day. But so, Nia, although you're an expert on writing poems, clearly, I would say <laughs> that you're not an expert on your own poems because you're too close to them, which is why I'm going to take your poem, You Will Never Guess My Name, okay. to be read by a non-poet. Um, is that scary for you? Um, no, it's exciting. Yeah. Confident. Okay, great. <laughs> so will you read the poem for me? Yeah. Um, before you do, I want to say thank you for talking to me today. No problem. It's really exciting to... Thanks for uh, making this happen. You will never guess my name. Call me Javelin, a mannequin for spears. Call me Harriet if you like. I am scissor reel, a jar of pickles. Call me Andrew Happenstance, lovely Xerox, lovely evaporation. My biggest concern is this here riddle told on the cusp by a makeover guru such as myself. Call me Evermore, Grecian burn, leaf of grass. Categorise me under Peckham and a Pesotesi day after market. Vasilisa's skull stick. Stand in the throne hall and say my name, Miss Never Again, Miss Happy Harpy, nay Julia. Call me mythic, I'm a toss-up between project and ongoing. I'm nil by gusset, I'm tall boy, poppy or die, seaweed or die. Saint-Tropez, there was a place once and I called it home soft nuts. Soft gusset, soft mushroom collar with a triple pleat. Call me fuckwit, fuck all of it. Categorise my role in, alongside soup kitchen, milkweed, why, flower market, why, testes, why does everything pointy have to be phallic? My fame runs and your drum this in until you're drummed in. My name, as it is, remember it. Hi, Paul. Hi, Annie. Thanks for coming today. Um, first of all, when someone says the word poetry to you, what is your general reaction? Mm, I don't have, just, no, I don't have a reaction, basically. <laughs> poetry, hi, okay, we bother. <laughs> you just change the subject, right? No, I don't really change the subject. I just don't have anything to say on it. I don't know much about poetry or I remember it from school and I know it's meant to be important, but I just somehow I never get really into it. What do you remember from school? Just reading poets like Longfellow, is it, or The Boy Stood on the Dun Deck, or was it I Wandered Lonely Through the Clouds or something? Oh, yeah. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> Keats and Yates. Keats and Yates and all that stuff in Byron. I was like... All right, okay. I'm getting a bit about about your reaction to poetry from this. So um, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Well, my current job at the moment is a, a community gardener for Urban Roots. So mm -hmm. I work, work in a number of gardens throughout the south side doing working with different groups. 
all different backgrounds and different abilities and different capabilities. So basically just doing some golfing with some people. Right. And what about in your spare time? How do you relax? Uh, a garden. <laughs> I don't really relax. I mean, like, I have my spare time. No, I just I read books and listen to music. I, I mean, I don't know, watch a bit of TV or something like that. Yeah. So is your garden really nice at home then? Uh, I don't actually have my own garden at home. I've got an allotment, which I, right. I live in flats, so I don't have actually yeah. have any garden myself, but I rent a allotment space. So you go from one garden to another? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's basically I. All right. Would you um would you consider yourself an expert in anything? If you had to choose, it could be like finding really cheap train tickets or anything, if you had to choose. I wouldn't consider myself an expert on anything. Oh, but if you had to choose something? If I had to choose something? Yeah. Hmm, yeah, okay. I could choose something. <laughs> I don't really know. I could say I was an expert on Star Trek. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, I'm not going to test you on it, so it doesn't really matter well, what you say. You could if you wanted to. <laughs> Done Voyager. <laughs> okay, well, for today, you are our expert on poetry. And we're going to look at this poem, You Will Never Guess My Name by Nia Davies. Would you be able to read it out for us? Call me Javelin. A mannequin for spears, call me Harriet, if you like, I am scissor reel. A jar of pickles, call me Andrew Happenstance, lovely Xerox. Lovely evaporation, my biggest concern is here, riddle told on the cusp by a makeover girl such as myself. Call me Evermore, Grecian burn, leaf of grass, categorise me under Peckham, under Parazzi, the day after market, Velasily skill stick, stand in the stone hall and say my name, Miss Never Again, Miss Harpy Harpy, me Julia, call me Mythic, I am toss up between project and ongoing, I am nil by gusset, I am tall boy, poppy or die, seaweed or die, San Tropez, it was a place once, and I called it home, soft nuts, soft guess, soft mushroom collar with ripple pleat, call me fuckwit, fuck all of it, categorise me, roll alongside soup kitchen, milkweed, why? Flower market, why? Testy, why? Does every pointy thing have to be a phallic? I fame ruts and you'll drum until you're drummed in and my name is, as it is, remember it. Thank you. That was a difficult one to read out. I think you did really well. Thank you. Was that the first time you've read it or did you read it earlier? I read about two minutes before. Right, okay. So there's a lot going on, isn't there? Certainly, I say. <laughs> so what is your first impression of this? Is there any 
phrase or word that stands out, even if it makes you just go, what, but that you kind of stands out to you? Well, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. It doesn't rhyme. No, it doesn't rhyme. Poetry <laughs> rhyme. <laughs> some poetry rhymes, some doesn't. Okay, right. It okay. doesn't all have to rhyme. But yeah, I agree. When I read this as well, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I thought you might like it because there's a few plants in it. Did you notice any plants? Oh, there's a couple of plants there. There was a, where was it? a leaf of grass, uh, seaweeds, poppy. Evermore, I don't know, Evermore, I don't think that's a plant. Petum, it sounds like it could be, though, doesn't it? Yeah, there could be some sort of plant with common name, some Evermore. Uh, yeah. Milkweed, there you go, a, a sleepy. Milkweed. That's the famous, that's the one that stands out the most, the sleepiest, you know what I mean? So there you go. Milkweed. Mannequin spears, so well, spears. Spears aren't plants? Well, I don't know, you could spear thistle, I would probably go for, no, I mean, it's been right. a plant die. Okay, so when I first look at a poem, one of the things I look at is, what does it look like? So obviously the listeners can't see it, so how would you describe what this poem looked like? Uh, first of all, I wouldn't think it looked like a poem. I think it would look like yeah. some sort of, uh, uh, like, a wee story. It looks a bit like a list, doesn't it? Because it's just... It has got a list. It has got a list potential because it's call me this, yeah. call me that, call me that. And it's, 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 it's given name after the other, so it's in a list form, I. Right, so it's all in a sort of big chunk. Um, it's not in, like, stanzas, like you see no. in a lot of poems. It's just all in yeah. one... And all the lines are different length. It looks a bit sort of messy. It's not, it's not neat to look at. So, for me, reading poems is about asking questions. Oh, so, right. if you look at the title of this poem, what's the big question this poem is asking? Can you guess my name? Yeah. You'll never who... guess. <laughs> it's saying you'll never guess my name. So, who is my? Who is speaking? Do you think? I don't know, um, some sort of deity or something like that. Or, oh, could be, yeah. You know what I mean? Some sort of queen or king or something. Could some, be, yeah. Something important. Why would you ever want or need to guess someone's name? What, to guess somebody's name? Yeah, because it's saying you will never guess my name. What situation would ever arise when you needed to guess someone's name? Can you think? Oh, well, just somebody, like maybe a, a riddle or a... a yeah. yeah. Most people would introduce themselves or... <laughs> like a, well, maybe you're in some sort of quiz or something like that and you have to... I don't know. I don't know either. But do you know the story um, Rumpelstiltskin? Rumpelstiltskin? Aye. Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. <laughs> no, that's Rapunzel. <laughs> well, which Rumpelstiltskin? Oh, he was the one. Oh, don't a minute. Got the two rank. Yeah. Get my fairy tales mixed up. <laughs> he could weave the silk of the thing into gold. That's right. You'll never That's guess it. my name. Yeah. I, I don't know if um, it's related, but in that he goes, he says that if she doesn't guess his name, then she has to give up her firstborn child, I think. It's quite brutal, really. Well, all these grim tales were all dark anyway, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're from medieval Europe, and medieval Europe wasn't a nice, joyous place, was it? <laughs> yeah, I, and I think there's a, there's another uh, fairy tale 
in this Vasilia, Vasilisa. Vasilisa. She's Russian, isn't she? Nah. Mm-hmm. She was a Russian sort of folk tale as well, around about mm-hmm. medieval folk tale. Yeah, so I think it's got a sort of fairy tale um, aura to it, this poem, doesn't it? Yeah, it has a wee bit, but I'm not really, because it peck them. I'm going to put Catherine Wee's in there, peck them. <laughs> you ever been to peck them? <laughs> I wonder if there's any fairy tales about Peckham. Well, there probably could be. You ever been to Peckham? Yeah, I've been to Peckham. Well, probably a lot of tales about Peckham because it's quite a diverse, diverse area. Yeah, I'm sure there are tales about it. Um, so this is actually a riddle. You know, you said about it sounding a bit like a riddle. Aye. It's it's, it's kind of got a subtitle of the second riddle. So it is technically a riddle. Do you know any other riddles? Not really. No, I'm not very good at don't do riddles, really. What but is a riddle? It's a kind of question where sort of you kind of work out something that gives you an answer, which is sort of mm. abstract from the question. Yeah. So do you think this is a riddle? Like, I, I, I don't know when I read this if there's actually something to guess or if it's, yeah, I don't know if there's any way of actually guessing the name of whoever this is. I don't think it's a riddle because it's not actually laying out clues to say there's any progression. One clue's not leading on to another clue to get an elixir. Mm. Do a riddle, you'll fight, you'll solve one problem with the riddle, and then it'll give you an answer, which is the question to the next riddle. Yeah. Whereas this kind of leads you down rabbit holes, doesn't it? It does have a riddle on it. It does have the word riddle in it. Yeah, it does. It's here riddle told by the cusp. Yeah. The cusp of what? I don't know. <laughs> There's one thing that does kind of come up a few times. In, so the first line is, call me Javelin. Right, that's something you throw. Yeah, and, it, and then there's sort of a sort of tall, a tall, thin theme. So there's like Javelin, there's scissors. Spear. There's, yeah, the spears. There's a skull stick, which is another stick. Aye. There's a tall boy, which is like a... a, a chest of drawers or something. It's a furniture, aye, so it's a tall piece of furniture with drawers in it, aye. And then, at the end, it says, does everything pointy have to be phallic? Aye, aye, it's tall. Is that my fame ruts and you drum, no drum thing? My fame runs, let's look at the end of it. My fame runs and you'll drum this in until you're drummed in. Aye, drummed in. My name as it is, remember it. It's quite a dramatic ending isn't it i remember remember I. <laughs> it sounds like something rumpelstiltskin would say yeah okay maybe <laughs> i don't know I, I, to me it would be just like i okay if you spread it and forget about it yeah fair enough move on with my life i think that's the thing isn't it you think if you don't understand it or get it that you should just leave it but i think I like it because there's no answer. I like thinking I'll never find out what the answer to the riddle is, so I'll keep looking back at it until... I I, I don't know if I'll ever learn anything, but I just enjoy looking at it. I don't know why. I think it's a great poem. (laughs) Well, obviously, you must like it. You've chosen it. I know, I did choose it. Um, 
But I don't know if the statement is, the title is just a statement. You will never guess my name. It's not really a question. I think you're right. It's not a question mark there. No, that's true. It's just like, you will never guess my name. That's You'll it. never guess my name, I. You can call me all these things, but you're never going to guess it. However, draws a probability. If you had a uh, ultimate infinite guesses, infinite times, you know what I mean? You might get it. <laughs> yeah, you know I, mean? I don't know. Like if, if you're saying you'll never guess it, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. You, I might never guess it in an hour or a half an hour, but I might, if I guess, just by probability, if you went through all the names in the world. Yeah. But what is a name? Because isn't well, a name... Go. How many names is what? <laughs> Uh, if someone calls you something, isn't that your name? Right, here's a, here's a question for you. Hmm. If somebody asks you, what's your name? You could answer by saying, depends who's asking. Oh, yeah. Is that what you say? Not all the time. Depends who's asking. It does. It, it really does. Yeah, because it's true. Because, like, you could be, like, dad. Yeah. That's my name. To my kids or my grandkids or granddad yeah. or papa, or you could be like your wife might have a pet name for you. Yeah, or you might have a nickname down the pub. I've got millions of nicknames. What are they? Well, I can't tell you because it's only <laughs> people who know me by their nicknames or oh, call me by that. I think you're onto something there. I think it's a, about identity. Yeah, because I'm Paul at work, but I'm somebody else. With my family, yeah, you know what I mean, and yeah. I'm somebody else with my friends. I'm somebody else with my associates, and then if you go out for a night out, you're somebody else. You know what I mean? That kind of multiple identities. So, do you think this poem could be about that? That you can't really pin down who a person is. The I is a sort of it's a made up of loads of different things. You know, that is one way of looking at it. Yeah, and that's all. I, that's all I want. We've got an interpretation that we can take away and now we don't have to go, I just don't get it. We go, this is my interpretation of the poem, if anyone asks. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, so this is, what I've, this is what I've done at this poem. This is what I've... Yeah, yeah. And so in 20 minutes, we've looked at this poem. You'd, you'd only read it two minutes ago and you've mm-hmm. come to some sort of understanding that you can, you can sleep at night now that you've decided what's going on in this mess of words. Yeah, I understand. I mean, it will not be I. I know you mean I. It's just <laughs> everyone who is listening to this will have different experiences and different names, and they'll all probably have different ideas about what is going on here. But this is what we've decided today. So yeah, thank cool. you. Oh, thank how do you no feel? <laughs> I, actually, uh, I was a bit in uh, no poetry, but I actually quite enjoyed it. Oh, that's the dream. Thanks, Paul. It was really nice to talk to you. Thanks, Annie. All the best, and I hope it goes well for you in your project. Join the conversation. To read the poem in full, go to www.time41poem, that's with the numbers four and one, dot wordpress.com, and comment with your own interpretation of the poem. This podcast was made using funding from the National Lottery through Creative Scotland. Thanks for listening.